0: Look at my butt. Show number two fifty-eight of Look at His Butt. LT and JK talk track. Last one for 2018. <laughs> Well, a happy Shatmas to you all, to all of our listeners all over the place, because we know you're all celebrating Shatmas. In fact, our friend Maynard is celebrating Shatmas, of course, in a big way on Facebook and posting pictures with his tree, with the picture of Bill at the top of it, which I absolutely love. I yes. Think the best thing.
1: And I promised him I was going to post a picture of my screen uh, de Kirk, and I haven't done that yet, or screen de Shatner, so I've got to do that. <laughs> But um, yeah, Shatmus is in full swing. It
0: is, and there's there's so much happening for Shatmus, and we're going to talk about some of the actual Bill-related stuff for Shatmus. Yes. But first, let us talk quickly about the two short tracks that we have just uh, watched. So we talked about Runaway, which was the first one, and right. then the next two in order were Calypso and mm-hmm. The Brightest Star, which was just on um, a little while ago. Yes. So They were all, the thing that struck me about all three of these is that they're so incredibly different, right? Yes. They're, they're like made by different groups of people. They feature different characters. The tonality is different. The meaning is different. And I love that, that they're all Star Mm -hmm. Trek, but they're also different.
1: Yeah. Um, should we start with Calypso? Yeah, that that one. Okay. Here was my, I really liked it a Mm. lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but here is my, what, the one thing that really occurred to me is as, peop, as fanfic writers, as people who were involved with that world, I've heard of people talking about, you know, scraping the serial numbers off so you don't know it's Trek. <laughs> this was, they put the serial numbers on so it could be Trek because honestly, this could just be a wonderful science fiction story that takes place on any ship, right? I
0: agree. Totally. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. But um, I loved it. I, oh, yes. It,
0: everything was good. The the writing was good. The direction was good. The acting was amazing. Mm-hmm. Of course, as they do in Trek, it raised all sorts of questions about why Discovery has been sitting there for a thousand years with no crew on it. Mm-hmm. What happened? Where did they go? Very yeah. mysterious. So I wonder whether that's a, like a huge call forward to the end of discovery in five years or something? I don't know. I don't know. It, it certainly leaves it open for something uh, life-changing to happen to them at the end of discovery, the, yes. the lifespan yes. of discovery. Um, it, was, it was just so well done and and so sort of meditatively paced, you know? It was like a mm-hmm. meditation, and it didn't feel the need to rush anywhere,
1: and yet there were
0: huge swells of emotion happening all through it.
1: Oh, Yes. And um, even though Funny Face is not a movie I, you know, oh, let's rewatch that. Mm -hmm. Um, I have seen it enough, you know. And I really, really did love that integration there. And technically, Mm -hmm. that was beautiful. Mm -hmm. It was seamless, really seamless. Yes, yes.
0: It was great. And I, I just... Was I didn't know what to expect for that one after Mm -hmm. the playfulness of Runaway. And then Mm -hmm. there's this, which is just so serious and deep and just puts you in a different mind space. And then the next one, Brightest Star, was much more like straight Trek. Like this could have been an episode, right? It it just felt like this is what happens on Star Trek. We meet new people. They leave. Mm -hmm. They join Starfleet. It had, you know, the... It had the serial numbers like embossed on it, let's say.
1: (laughs) Well, and interesting to me was the point of view. Because we have seen episodes, I think probably a couple times in TNG, where they get a mysterious message. um, So they have to go, you know, who is contacting Mm -hmm. us from this planet? There was one, or it was a little girl writing to data, Mm -hmm, I think, mm -hmm. and everything. This was from the point of view of the individual Sending the message. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me... This raised about a bazillion questions <laughs> about the Kelpians yes. that I had hoped were going to be yes, answered. No kidding. Everything that happened was a question.
0: It's like, why is this happening? Who are yes. these people? Where did they get this tech from? Why? Like, where? Why? How? So many questions.
1: Well, and the thing is, the, the very first thing I remember ever learning about the Kelpians, and I believe it was Saru, who said they are... A, they are a race of prey. That's yes. what they are bred to be. Mm-hmm. And from what we were seeing, to me, prey means you are hunted. Right. I didn't see them being hunted. No, it was a sacrifice. Yes, it was a, a sacrifice. Thing. And you know what else it immediately brought to mind? And I might be dead wrong because it's been so long since I read <laughs> this book. But it's by uh, Mary Doria Russell. I think it's called The Sparrow. Mm-hmm. Did you ever read that book? No, I did not. Oh, you must, so we can talk about it. But basically, <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's a bunch of Earth people go to this planet. They know there is, is life there, whatever. But they're, they're sort of like on an anthropological mission. Mm-hmm. And there are these two races that are like symbiotic. But one of the people, humans sort of oversteps her bounds as an anthropologist and says to the, the, the weaker of the two races, if you want to look at it that way, you know, you guys are really not getting that much out of this (laughs) and it throws everything out of balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a a really, it's a book just jam packed with ideas. I'm just really skimming the surface on the one plot line that this brought to mind for me. Yeah. So, uh,
0: Interesting that in this episode, then, episode, this short trek, that Mm -hmm. the Federation actually observed the prime directive to a a greater extent, right? Like, I was half wondering whether somebody was going to come down and say okay, you guys can stop being prey now or no more sacrifices or something Mm -hmm. because so often that's the case, that they come down and because of an individual, they end up turning the society upside down for their their betterment or something. And that didn't happen. Well,
1: and the thing is, it was not clear. It was so nice to see Giorgio again, though. Oh, yeah. It it was not clear if... Well, maybe it sort of was. the, The Federation, were they aware of of this planet and that it had sentient races on it? Mm -hmm. Um, Or did they just get this message from this one person and go, what is this? We better explore a little bit. Mm -hmm. But that, you know, that they went in very cleanly, asked this one individual, do you want to go with us? Mm -hmm. And, you know, abided by his decision and didn't interface with anyone else. Yeah. So, yeah, on that count, you are right that they were very, um, well, and as she said, you know, this was like a major decision for Starfleet.
0: Yeah, yeah. But you've got to wonder, what if she had gone down there, right, and, mm-hmm. and met with Suru and said, uh, you want to come? And he thought about it and goes, nah, I don't think so. And then they leave. Now he knows, right? He's the only exactly. one exactly. And what's he going to do with that knowledge? I mean, mm-hmm. that could be a prime directive uh, violation right there. Just the mm-hmm. fact that he knows, and what's going to happen to him if he ever says anything? Like, are they just going to
1: kill him? Yeah. What do they do? I don't what know. What do they do? Yeah. It's um, great. I I, I really do think there's a lot more to be explored with with that society. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the other thing I couldn't help thinking of was I was going, when they were filming this little thing or, you know, doing all the the work of it, that um, I'm sure several people went, it was really a mistake to make the Kelpien's such major makeup jobs because <laughs> they had to do so many of them and make them
0: look different too yeah so, yeah, yeah. They their own and, but they, they did get away with a little bit of having people in hoods so yes good. Well, yeah.
1: the old this customer trick that's right throw them. a hood over him <laughs> um the other thing is and this I'm not sure I've ever seen this in actual Star Trek before, but it has shown up in fan fiction and it always rubs me the wrong way, which is the idea that there's a race that the fans fall in love with, a race Mm -hmm. not as technologically evolved as the Federation. And within, in fan fiction, like three to five years of first contact these people are joining starfleet mm-hmm. and you know one you know one individual like i have seen a fan fiction where um a horda is now a member of starfleet <laughs> i and,
0: remember that i it was actually that was in published fiction i think wasn't it was Wasn't it? it in
1: one of the the strange uh, new voyages or something well in strange new worlds <laughs> strange
0: new worlds sorry god <laughs>
1: So in the, in the fan fiction I'm thinking of, it was Shanna who um, Mm -hmm. was now like the ambassador to the Federation, which like, I don't know, puts her on a level with Sarek. And first of all, she was kind of a dim bulb, but also (laughs) those slaves were completely primitive. Right. But suddenly, you know, like within, like I said, you know, three to five years, man, she's doing space travel and going to Earth and negotiating. No, and
0: No, that doesn't make any sense. And there were other ones, like um, there was one with the Horda, right? Like yes. the Horda joined Starfleet. But, and that was in, like, a published Strange New Worlds, I think. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure it was. And I think in that one it seemed a little more believable because Spock says, you know, that the Horda is like really sophisticated and knows how to communicate and live for ten thousand years and, and all the rest of it. So maybe,
1: maybe. See, I don't but... buy that. Okay, we've got tortoises here on Earth that live for a thousand years. I don't think a tortoise has ever built even a simple machine. You know, a lever, a wheel. Uh-huh, yeah. Well it did learn how to spell. It said no yeah, kill eye. Okay. Yeah, maybe you know maybe <laughs>
0: maybe i'm just trying to figure out right, how we right, could give the horde right. the benefit but of, you so. know they
1: did say that saru is the you know the big exception and
0: mm-hmm. and you
1: know because he was able to manipulate this technology and i thought because he even knew it was technology Mm-hmm.
0: so i hope that they explore that a little yes. bit more going into this series as saru's exceptionalism that he's really technologically capable he was the science officer so there should be more of that like he should be able to do anything. If he's kind of the Spock role on this, mm-hmm. he should be able to do anything like with a pack of matches and, <laughs> and a rubber band. Right. Right. right? Like he's, the, he's, he's going to be build... the
1: MacGyver of discovery. That's right. right. Yes.
0: He, he should be the MacGyver. So I hope we explore that more. And I got to say the, the way that they ended that short track, you know, saying to him, you can never, ever come back mm-hmm. here. I bet that's a straight up
1: lie. Oh, I oh, bet we're going to go back there. Yes. <laughs> <a> yes. Because <laughs> somehow In some future episode, his sister's going to get in touch with him. Yes. See, I already wrote half the story for him.
0: Okay, there There you go. go. You're right. I I, I completely agree. Okay.
1: (laughs) So then there's this article that Mm -hmm. I shared with you. Yes, which was very good. Comparing short treks to discovery. And as I was reading it, it was bringing up a lot of ideas that I really had not uh, thought out or hadn't really hit me but you know the author was saying that she was very involved with the storyline what's going to happen next and that's how I was Mm -hmm. and not particularly um feeling a a a closeness or a special concern or anything for any characters that they the characters themselves despite all the things that happened to Mm -hmm. them we really didn't get to know them that well
0: yeah, I agree with that. They they were so consumed with all their world building and plot setting up. I think the characters did get a bit of short shrift. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the actors were really good, yes. we didn't get to say a lot of backstory with the exception of Burnham, right? Like we didn't see a lot of motivation mm-hmm. or personal things happening. And the one thing I disagreed with in that article was just about the the person who wrote it was saying that their reaction to Culbert's death was just, you know, like, oh, too bad. He's dead. But I, I really felt that moment when he died because it was so unexpected. And I was hoping that his character would would grow mm-hmm. more and we get to see more of him. And I just I was watching. it, I was like, oh, no, he's dead. I don't want him to be
1: dead. <laughs> I like him. I
0: want him to keep going on in the show, which apparently he is. So yeah. there we go. I got my well, wish. Anyway. I
1: felt, oh, no, he's dead. And I felt, oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. Um, Mm -hmm. But I didn't feel like any, I don't know, sympathetic grief or sadness for anybody. In fact, the the one character I think who did sort of evoke some of that in me was um, Ash. When -hmm. we really found Mm -hmm. out, you know, that he was this transformed Klingon and was, you know, having these incredible mental and emotional problems. Because that we got to see happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we got to sort of live it with. Yes, you. it was very yes. visceral. And you know what Elsa yeah. is thinking? It's like, okay, all right, we've watched TOS now for fifty years, so it's kind of unfair to compare what we know or think we know about them compared to what we think we know about the Discovery people. But in almost any situation, and this is part of reading fanfic or any fic, or they come up with a new movie or whatever, is you're going, Kirk wouldn't do that. <laughs> or that is so Kirk. Or faced with this situation, here's what Kirk would do. Mm-hmm. If I threw some random situation out at you, could you tell me what Burnham would do? Oh, that's a really
0: good point. Because I could tell you what Kirk would do in any given situation. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really good point, but it's, it's hard, you know, like would we have been able to say that after just the first series of TLS? Well,
1: yeah, that's the thing. Um, But one of the thing, one of the valid points this author made was um, that unfortunately they pretty much started in the first, you know, two episodes with um, uh, Burnham becoming a traitor and killing Giorgio And that was impactful, if that's a real word and not something that people have just made up, but we didn't have the luxury of seeing these years of them working together and developing this relationship and the kind of Mm -hmm. pain being in this situation of, of being at just absolute opposite ends on a very crucial question. The pain of being like that with someone you're close to.
0: Mm Hmm. Yep. I agree. And, you know, thinking about it now, um, There's so much we didn't see because it felt like we didn't get to catch our breath through the whole series. Yes. There was just so much going on. There was never a quiet moment. There might have been a few, but there were very few quiet Mm -hmm. moments where you just kind of stopped and the characters were allowed to be. Mm -hmm. It was always right on the edge of the universe being destroyed. Yeah. And, and it's hard to have character development when you're always on the edge of the universe being destroyed.
1: <laughs> well, and, you know, I'm thinking and drawing a comparison now to Game of Thrones, which goes so fucking fast and <laughs> has so many storylines and characters that um, I still watch it because I'm dying to see what happens next. But I am really just skimming along on the surface of what's happening and they'll they'll refer to something. And you could tell by the way they refer to something that, oh, wow, that's something really big that I should know about. <laughs> and it's only later when I read the recap. And it's something that minor little incident that happened three seasons ago or something. So I don't want that to happen to me with Discovery, where I'm just, you know, riding along on the plot.
0: Hmm. Well, let's hope that they have stepped back a little bit, and they do have a little time to catch their breath. I think the short treks were a good indication that they can. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That they're very capable of doing it. They just haven't chosen to do it at this point. You know, I'm thinking about it now, too. I can't imagine the kind of pressure that they were under to deliver that first season of Discovery, that maybe they just felt like they couldn't give themselves the luxury of those little character moments, and the, the times when the universe wasn't in peril because they had to to mm-hmm. have something compelling every second that yeah. was on the screen.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So let's hope they're relaxed. Let's, everybody just relax. Everybody just settle down just and relax. relax. Um, I want to talk about Lorca for a minute. Oh, yes. I like him. I like Lorca. um And in the case especially of Lorca, I wish Discovery existed and there wasn't an internet because... Maybe it was in episode one where people on the internet were going, he's from the mirror universe. (laughs) And I know I'm, you know, when I am watching something on TV, a part of my brain disengages and I can almost never tell you what's coming up unless Mm -hmm. you're really obvious about it. So I could imagine me being knocked off the sofa by finding out, (laughs) but it was like, okay, we kind of expected that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, anyway, but here's something I was thinking this week about Lorca. Um, Mirror Lorca comes to our universe. I don't know if he kills the, our, our Lorca. What happened? We have no idea. I hope we will mm-hmm. find out. Um, and takes his place. And everybody's like, oh, okay, Captain Lorca, cool. But didn't Spock say something about the barbarians had more trouble fitting in? hmm. Then yes. Kirk and, and the doctor and her and everybody yeah. had pretending to be barbarians. So mm-hmm. th- first of all, they can't be trying to tell us that Lorca is a better actor than Kirk because that. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the deal? Was the real Lorca real Lorca close enough to being an asshole? <laughs> you, everybody you wondered, just went he's having a particularly bad day today day, you know? he's just crabby <laughs> he's crabby all the time all the time hurt. yeah you know it, he used it to was, be a little it, bit of fun every now it, and then
0: they they did show right with with mirror georgia that she was having a hell of a hard time fitting in because mm-hmm. she was just yelling at people right and left to do mm-hmm. stuff and I don't know. Maybe Lorca was just so devious that he realized immediately he was going to have to change his whole personality and completely squash his normal, like mirror universe, normal instincts Mm -hmm. on things.
1: Well, and how,
0: sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I I would bet, because Kirk is Kirk, if Kirk had understood what was happening better, Mm -hmm. he might have been able to do that if he really had a clue that he was in a different universe yeah. and that his survival depended on acting like a, a uh-huh. you know, a milk with toast in his eyes, he could have done it. I think.
1: So was this ever, did they ever bring up like, first of all, how uh, Lorca managed to get to our universe and had he, I don't know, somehow studied and observed, been here for a long time studying and observing, not as Lorca, but just as a guy, To get a feel for how things went. So he was able to plan this out. I mean, obviously, Kirk and the rest of them were improvising the whole time they were in the mirror universe. Mm -hmm. Um, Did he know what he was getting into? Did he have some foreknowledge or something?
0: I think he did. Gosh, it's been so long since we watched Discovery. Mm -hmm. But I'm pretty sure they said at some point that he had been getting some information about our universe oh, prior to crossing okay. over just in like data banks or something. Yeah. So maybe the historical documents helped him out and that, you know, me by watching old episodes of galaxy
1: quest, he was able to see maybe so. the way he should act. Yeah. In, in fact, I think had... they did mention that about, Getting some information or something. So, yeah, so that's okay. actually
0: going to be my new headcanon that Lorca watched <laughs> old episodes of Galaxy Quest to figure out how to behave.
1: Okay. Because <laughs> that makes sense to me. I like it, I think it works. Hey, did you like my phrase of the day that I sent you earlier this week?
0: I did, but you have to remind me what it is. Okay, I said I, it was I the crux point it. of
1: my day. Oh, that, right. <laughs> it was an article, and I can't remember what the article was about. It was a political article, I think, something on Trump. But it said, with with a hopefulness. Bordering um, <laughs> on Bordering on fan, bordering fiction. On fan <laughs> fiction. I just yep. loved that.
0: It was very funny. I
1: was talking about Mueller
0: and what the investigation oh, that's was. That's it. Do. Okay. Yeah. Sorry.
1: I just went way off on a tangent, listeners. I'm sorry. But but. It
0: was funny. I, I did your, both your email and that phrase bordering on fan fiction was yes. very, very funny.
1: <laughs> okay. I like
0: that. Okay. Let's look at this list here. I'd like to say that um, Bill has been busy. Bill has been so busy. Oh, my and God,
1: has he ever. He's,
0: he's, he's arguing with people on Twitter again. Oh, so yeah. Just so you know, I, I don't even want to get into that because I don't know if he's right or wrong. And
1: Well, you know, can, well may I comment? Oh, please. Please okay, tell people what he's unaware, arguing with um, yeah. it, it, A few years ago, everybody in the world decided the song Baby It's Cold Outside is rapey. That was Mm -hmm. the word. It's rapey. That's right. And so some radio station in Canada, I guess, decided they aren't going to play it anymore. And uh, Bill, you know, got on his soapbox. And what he was basically trying to say was, you've got to look at context. You've Mm got to look at the time that it was written. And people were jumping all over him. But I, I wish I'd kept the article. But I read an article like a few days before Bill sort of jumped on this. And um, I'm hoping this person was right because they made a lot of sense. But they were saying, okay, this was written like in Mm 1940-something for this movie with Red Skelton and um, Esther Williams. And they were pointing out that certain expressions then – do not mean what we think they mean Mm -hmm. like especially Mm -hmm. what's in this drink what's in this drink that's the line that everybody points to that they all jump on that he's drugging her and they're saying no this is this is something women used to say and it was sort of like a way of saying I'm very tempted, but I can't admit it. So I must be, you must be putting a lot of liquor in these drinks mm-hmm. is the implication. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, it's like you listen to an old coward song or a Cole Porter song. They're talking about everyone's gay. They're not saying they're homosexual. <laughs> they're saying they're happy. They're having fun. Mm-hmm. You know, and really, if you, you look at the lyrics, she's more concerned with her reputation, Mm -hmm. Then what's going to happen, may possibly happen to her. So in this case, I am more or less with Bill. Now, I don't know what his most recent thing has been. I saw the first few and maybe he's, you know, gone to Mars on it now. I don't know. But I just want to point that out, that given the context, the history of the, you know, of the song and of social interactions between men and women... Yeah, you couldn't write the song with those lyrics today.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it means different things. And just I, like I you think... would
1: not run a um an ad of a husband spanking his wife because dinner's burned. Right. But they That's... ran ads like that all the time in the fifties. That's right.
0: So I, I think in this case, um, Bill pretty much stuck to his guns on this, although he did get into it with people about free speech and it's like oh please don't bring up the free speech thing um but yes you couldn't run an ad like that today one thing that I I think colors the whole discussion is that that song has been featured in a couple of different movies I believe and at least one of Mm -hmm. them there was a clip that people posted online with Ricardo Montalban in it and the way it was played in the clip was in fact rapey. Oh, it, they they decided to do it in a way that clearly showed that this guy wasn't going to take no for an answer. So mm. it it is a song that can be interpreted and and you know like the way you listen to it, but also the way you you might play act it. You could p- to do a different spin on it, and if people have done that in movies where they have put a horrible spin on it, that colors your perception of yeah. the song itself. So there's that. Let's talk about Bill. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about Bill. Bill. Bill's been busy. Bill's been doing all kinds of things besides arguing with people on Twitter, yes. as we were just saying. Yes. One of the things that Bill has been doing um, is that he went back to Ticonderoga. Yes. And- he did a big thing there, and he was there at the same time as Anson Mount, who's the guy that plays Pike in Discovery. Right. So there's your Discovery connection. Um, I follow Anson Mount on Twitter, by the way, and he posts pictures of his lunch every day while he's <laughs> filming on Discovery. Oh, good. <laughs> just No reason. He just likes to do it. It looks really good, Mm -hmm. by the way, his lunches. I like them. Sounds good. So here's the thing. Um, Bill has been to Ticonderoga before. We talked about this the first time he was there, that a special captain's tour where people got to have him, you know, be on the set and talk to them. And it seemed very nice. He just did this uh, a couple days ago, and it seemed like he had um, a much better time for some reason. Like he was just really, really into it, where he was interacting with people on a a really – personal basis in a way that he doesn't often do with fans you know Mm -hmm. having met several million of them in his lifetime so he he showed them around and then bill was taking pictures with people in the transporter booth which was kind of a cool place for him to take pictures yes There's an um, a report that I'm I'm going to read from that was on Star Trek .com by just an, a person who went on this tour and was saying how great it was. So one of the people who was there for this particular tour with Bill was Darren Doctorman, and I mentioned that he's on that Inglorious Trucksports podcast oh, okay. that I've been listening to. So I'm not sure why he was there, uh-huh. like whether it was for the podcast or whatever. Um, but he was really happy. And there's a picture of him with Bill. Um, Bill said he was Bill was in great spirits. He was sharing stories, inviting questions and showing his true appreciation to all the visitors for the length that it took there that they took to be there with him that evening. Quote, I can't tell you how many times I tripped down these stairs, Shatner noted in the transporter room. <laughs> <laughs> um- uh, I'm happy to report that um, everybody got their pictures with Shatner and Bill did not trip down the transporter pad this time around. Very good. Um, anecdotes and fond memories of Jimmy Doohan, Dee Kelly, and Leonard Nimoy flowed as we moved from room to room aboard the beautiful Starship Enterprise. In a surprise move, James Cauley even asked Darren to do his spot-on impression of Shatner for Shatner. <sighs> As well as his uncanny Gene Roddenberry impression, which I mentioned last time. Uh, Everybody, including Shatner, agreed that Darren nailed the Roddenberry impression.
1: Oh, wow.
0: So imagine doing that for Bill. That takes a a lot of guts. Uh, Yeah. And then, after a tour of the sets, they went to a bar across the street. And Bill was the bartender. And there's a picture of Bill behind the bar making drinks for people. Oh,
1: my God. Can you believe it? Like, when has he ever done that? That wasn't the real Bill. <laughs>
0: oh, it looks like him. It really does. But wow. um
1: he must have so, just gotten some really good news, or a great blowjob, or something.
0: Something. He was just—he was really into it. And I was thinking about it. Like, if I owned that bar and I saw William Shatner come behind my bar. I would be both really amazed and honored, but also terrified mm-hmm. <laughs> because you have no idea what he's going to do. And then I, I would take all the really top shelf liquor and hide it <laughs> so that you know he couldn't like be pouring, um, thousand uh, dollar whiskey into diet coke, or right, you know, right. like you
1: just oh my god,
0: you just want to keep it out of his hands. So he did that, and then he was back the next day, and he took pictures on the bridge and met other people and uh, just had a great old time with people. So I felt really jealous when I read that.
1: Well, yeah, it's probably how everybody felt when we got to go to the Boston legal set.
0: I think that's true. I think that's true.
1: Wow. uh, Well, you know, someone who is a listener of ours, I am Facebook friends with him and he's there. And um, he did post a picture of himself with Bill. And Bill was smiling in a genuine way. And mm-hmm. that surprised me.
0: It is. So these pictures that are here on Star Trek Bill really looks like he's having a good time. And wow, he went behind a bar and he was mixing drinks for people. Jeez, that's <sighs> that's, that's crazy. crazy. That's just crazy.
1: Wow.
0: So anyway. anyway um, wait, wait, I got I... a
1: question for you. Oh, yes. OK. If if we were there and Bill was behind the bar. Uh huh. And he said to you, "What'll you have?" What's your answer?
0: Um, gosh, that's a really good question. Oh, so many drinks. I mean, you could go with the obvious one and say something like, "Well, I'll have sex on the beach, please," <laughs> and um, he might appreciate that. Uh
1: huh.
0: Or you could go for something classic and old-fashioned, like a gimlet, which would be a little unusual. Uh-huh. And he might appreciate that as well. I don't know. What would you, what would you order?
1: I'd say, surprise me. <laughs>
0: Good answer. That's the right answer. So <laughs> you always know the right answer.
1: Well, it's a gift.
0: <laughs> it is. And Bill would appreciate that. I I'm hope sure.
1: so. Wow. I am jealous I now would.
0: too. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah, so that happened. So, you know, I, I would still like to go to Ticonderoga one day mm-hmm. if it wasn't like in the middle of freaking winter or something. Yeah. And boy, would it be fun to do it while Bill was there. I wish it wasn't so expensive. And I wish it wasn't in the middle of nowhere. Well,
1: that's just it. It's hard to get there. It's expensive. And it's winter in upstate New York. Yeah, yeah.
0: But i got to say, now that Bill's been there twice and seems to really have a good old time doing it, I guess he's going to do it more often, so maybe it'll be like a twice-yearly thing for them where he he goes and hangs out with the fans, which would be really cool. So I hope he does it more.
1: Really? Yes.
0: Wow. All right. Hey, listen, let's take a quick break, and then we can come back, because we've got uh, loads more stuff to talk about.
1: Space the final frontier.
0: These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its five-year mission
1: to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone
0: before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news go we are back now yes thank you i was i was on my marks i was ready to go okay so there's a couple of things that we wanted to mention. One, which I posted on the Facebook group, is that there was an auction and a lot of the stuff at this particular auction, uh, unlike other Star Trek prop and costume auctions, is that there were a bunch of costumes that came out of Bill Tice's actual collection, mm-hmm. like things that he had, um, I don't want to say stolen, <laughs> but he had them in his private collection. And, you know, I don't know how he got right. them, but anyway... And there were a lot of different things. Most of them were guest costumes, so it wasn't any regular uniforms. Mm-hmm. It was more things that he had designed for guest stars. But one of the things that was on sale was Bill's tunic, a little skirt thing yeah. from Plato's stepchildren, and Spock's as well. So I was amazed that this existed in such good condition, I too. I know. It looked beautiful. It, it really looks beautiful and it didn't sell and i think because the starting price which was i think $20,000 <gasps> was just too rich for people to handle yeah wow yeah so that's too bad um uh, but it just means that somebody else is going to get it for a lower price at some I point i suppose um, i
1: suppose probably um a serious collector probably contacted him afterwards and said will you take 12,000 or 12, whatever they think that. is a reasonable price
0: yeah so, it is a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. and it is just so short, and of course, it inspires the question, what was Bill wearing underneath <laughs> it? which and and I haven't seen Plato's stepchildren in years and years, so I don't remember if you ever see it, like if there's any shots of him not like, bending over, but you know where the the skirt part flips up a little bit. So, I don't know. <laughs> You'd think it would be like little matching panties underneath, well, like you know. I don't know it's, what it's
1: what the real um, Platonians, gladiators, and all those people wear underneath? Probably nothing, oh, right?
0: Well, nothing or loincloth of yeah, some sort. I yeah, suppose. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, okay, I don't know, but but it, it, it is a lovely thing, and I'd also like to see this thing in real life, <sighs> of course, just to see. Well, I would like to touch it, yeah. of course, but I'd like to see how big it is, like. You know, because we have been amazed at the costumes, too. When we've seen them in person, how small they are. Yes. You know, they they everybody was like a size two. So I, I want to see how big it is. I
1: know. I was thinking that when I saw the pictures. I was, you know, mentally comparing that to the things we've seen. Yeah. Wow. So
0: amazing that these exist in mm-hmm. such beautiful condition. Absolutely. And And uh, they'll be going to some collector sooner or later. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I found out about that because the guy who was running the auction was in a video for Adam Savage's channel, which is called Tested, and mm. they were talking about the props. They weren't talking about the costumes very much, but they had some um, old props from TOS that were, um, as we'd seen with other things, made out of carved wood and then painted silver. Mm-hmm. So you know, really old school, yeah. old school <laughs> stuff. All right. Well, there's that. Okay. Um, so y- you should all go look at the pictures, everybody. Oh, yeah. So. Th- you can see oh, yeah. it, how good it was. So I had been watching TV recently, which I don't usually do, and I don't know why I was watching so much TV. But um, I watched *Devil in the Dark*, which I hadn't seen in a long time, and it was the one with the remastered effects. And I think we've we've watched that not too long ago. Right. But you know what? That's a really good episode of Star Trek. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I thought the acting in that was really, really good. I I was really paying attention to um, what Bill was doing and to what um, D. Kelly was doing. Mm -hmm. And not so much Leonard, because everybody talks about his acting in that episode. But Bill did a lot of really subtle things. And you can see the point at which he changes his mind. Kirk changes his mind Ah. about what he's got to do Uh on the planet. It's really good, oh. like it's really subtle acting, and it, it's it's not when he's confronted by the Horta, it's when he's going through the tunnel all by himself, mm. and the, the cave-in comes after him, and he sort of realizes that he's stuck, and that's when you can see him go, I need to change my tactics here. It's It's really good. Wow,
1: that sounds great. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so it was good. And D. Kelly is so good. Oh my God. I laughed out loud when um he he said I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. Yes. It was really good. And then, you know, he does his doctoring thing and then Kirk's like, Well, what's going on? And he goes, Um, you know, by God, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like... Well, doesn't Kirk before the bricklayer line say something, You're a doctor, here's a patient, heal him. I mean that's it's right. Like... <laughs> It's and he's like, grumble, grumble. my toilet's he broken. Home. Here's a patient, heal it. You know,
0: <laughs> it's so good though. Just their interplay is so yes, good, yes, and he is so yes. good. Everything about it is just really, really, really good. As compared to um, what did I I watch the other day? Uh, was it uh, Paradise Syndrome? Is that the one with Leilani uh, or whatever her Miramani? name is? No, not Miramani. Oh, the, oh, uh, the spores. Yeah. Whatever that one's called, that I can't remember what that one's called.
1: Other side of paradise or something. I'm Other better. okay, it had yeah.
0: paradise in it. You know what? That's a shitty episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> <Let me> ch-
1: <laughs> Except it is the splodiest episode. This is true. I think there's the a first... lot. Of Wait, am I getting it wrong? No, it's not. It doesn't the have The splodiest one sport. is veil. Vale. Okay. That's right. You're right. This one has
0: the spores exploding into people's faces. Right. So it's a different kind different of explosion. Different
1: spore. But okay.
0: It, you know, you imagine the prop people going insane and getting those things to, like, the confetti spewing on yes. the actors' faces and people choking and coughing. And
1: You're right. That thing. is a crappy episode.
0: Yeah. I was amazed at how bad it was watching it again. Mm-hmm. And, and in that particular episode... Um, DeForest Kelly is terrible because they basically said to him, Make your southern accent really cartoon like so you oh, sound like Foghorn yeah, Leghorn. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Oh, it's really, really bad. Even Bill's acting, you know, acting with a capital A and an oh, exclamation point couldn't really save it. Um, but then I watched Star Trek 4 because it was on some movie channel, so mm-hmm. it was the first time I've actually seen it all the way through without commercials and no cuts. And um, that's a really good movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it It's very much an 80s movie, right? Like you're watching it and the pace is kind of slow and there are no really mm-hmm. high beats to it. And it's just different from the way movies are now, where the way they're constructed. And it completely relies on their relationships between the characters to make it work. There's a plot that drives it forward, but you know, it's going to be okay in the end. Like, you know, they're not all going to die and you know that they're going to save the day. And and it's sort of a foregone conclusion that there's going to be at least a a kind of a happy ending. So you're not too worried about how it's going to turn out. So the delight is watching the characters solve the problems. Yeah. Yeah. And, and interacting with, you know, people in 20th century San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So um, there were at least a couple of things that I thought were worth mentioning upon rewatching it. One was, um, again, DeForest Kelly as the doctor in the hospital in the 20th century mm-hmm. is just so good at being shocked and appalled, but also, you know, trying to do his duty as a doctor. And the best part is when he goes up to the woman who's lying in a, a hospital bed yeah. in the corridor and he barks at her. He goes... What's wrong with you? Like, he expect, <laughs> like, like she's malingering. Yes, she's just hanging
1: out,
0: <laughs> just hanging out. Like he expects her to jump up and run down the corridor, <laughs> and then, you know, he fixes her, which is great. But he's just so gruff. I love it. Yes. Um, Kirk is wonderful and really charming with Jillian, mm-hmm. which is great. He does a really good Shatner swap. Oh my god! Yes, drinks the beer in the restaurant and kind of, and he looks at the glass, which I love, that's the classic part. What
1: I love is, I think it's, is it before, after he drinks it, he looks at it like, what the hell is this?
0: Just after he takes a sip of it, he does the swallow and the holding it in his mouth and then he's like looking at the glass. Yeah, like beer must be like
1: really, really different (laughs) in the 23rd century.
0: So funny. That's such a great touch. It is, and it's it's this sw- it's the Shatner swallow. So yes. you know it had to involve like a liquid in some ways. So well, that was yeah. great. Um, but I have to say, the the thing that I, I focused on this time was at the very end of the movie after they get back to the Back to the Future, and uh, he has to say goodbye to Jillian. Mm-hmm. And I love that her character is like, I'm not sticking around with you. I got work to do, man. That's I'm right. a scientist. I'm going to go out and do science. And he's he's not shocked by it, uh-huh. but he's he's sad. And he's a little disappointed that he doesn't have a woman around waiting for him. And I think to Kirk, it's a surprise. Yes. And It's a sad surprise. And he really, Bill does an excellent job of managing all those emotions in that scene where you can see what he's feeling and mm-hmm. you can see his surprise and his hurt but also that he's covering it because he doesn't want her to know how hurt he's feeling and trying to put a brave face on it so that she's going to go and do all her science. And after she goes away, he sort of lets his face show mm-hmm. the, the real emotion. And it's it's just really good. And it's so quick, right? It's like a 10-second scene. but. Oh, he does so many things in that. He's such a good actor sometimes. He really
1: is. Well, and, you know, if you, you look at it in the context of, of Kirk's whole life that we know quite a yes. bit about by that time, that yes. is the classic pattern of him and women. That um, Carol, they couldn't handle having separate careers. Icky mm-hmm. Jan Wallace, same mm-hmm. problem. Um, crazy What's-Her-Name-Who-Stole-His-Body, <laughs> same problem. yeah. It's true. It, it's a thing that he
0: should... It's almost like he should expect that and he doesn't right. expect and that. And you know and why he doesn't?
1: Because he thinks she's an old-fashioned girl.
0: Yeah. And just
1: because she's from 300 years earlier. He really... Uh, I think... He, he thought, this one's going to be different.
0: Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right about that. So, it's just... It's so good. And you're right. It, it has so much more texture because of everything that yes. we know about Kirk yes. and his relationships. So uh he's he's just good he's just really really good and not in any way um you know sexist or misogynist or anything Mm -hmm. about it it's just you know he's trying to establish a relationship and it's not going to work yeah for real reasons so just wanted to say that because i thought it was so good so yeah that was totally worth watching worth spending two hours watching that of of course of a saturday night
1: yeah of course
0: so you're going to tell us about uh, treks that might have been.
1: Yes. This was a fun article on something called CBR.com. I'm not sure what CBR stands for, but um, it's, it's comic book resources or something. Oh, okay. Star Trek, 20 casting and character changes that almost drastically altered the, uh, the series, but they're talking mm-hmm. about all the series. So mm-hmm. um, there's – there's a lot here it's fun to read but I'm going to skip to the two that I think are worth having a little chat about one of them yes please is uh Wesley yes it says the original idea was that rather than a son Crusher had a daughter Mm -hmm. she still would have been a genius and the show would play with her having a crush on Riker and I go ew gross however roddenberry caught will wheaton in a movie and thought he'd be a good addition so changed the role to a male maybe wheaton could have been spared years of grief from fans if the gender change hadn't happened what do you think
0: i think that if they had cast that role as a girl it would have been a hundred times worse for her
1: i think so too
0: it would have been just awful and the writers probably would have killed her off after season one (laughs) Honestly, can you kill I, off I
1: teenagers?
0: Uh, I sure. Why not? I you don't know, know anybody. I think they could have because it. W- First of all, they wouldn't have been able to write for a, a teenage girl, so it would have been bad. Could she would have gotten such horrible abuse. They wouldn't have been able to find a way to make her work in the cast. So I think they mm-hmm. just would have killed her off. Uh, I also want to mention that the picture that they chose of Will Wheaton mm-hmm. to illustrate this is possibly the most womany picture of him available. <sighs> yeah.
1: <laughs> womany. <Wouldn't laughs>
0: <I> he? <laughs> he really looks like he belongs in, um, you know, a 40s noir movie or oh my something. Oh, God. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a woman mas- mm-hmm. masquerading as a man. Why? They could have chosen a better picture. They should have chosen a better yes. picture. Yes.
1: Okay, here's one. I never heard this before. Have you heard this about Mirror no, Kirk? No, okay. definitely not. Here it says, if there was one guest star, every one of the newer Trek series wanted but couldn't get, it was William Shatner. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's playing hard to get. Um, having the face of the franchise pop up in any way would have been great. Enterprise had one idea of Shatner making a cameo as a chef who gets involved in a time travel plotline right under the nose of the main crew.
0: All I can say is. And as soon as I read that, all I could think about was Marjorie and talking about Jimmy and his pastry (laughs) chef. And that was all
1: I could think about. Oh, it would have been so cool if there was like a big cake in the scene or something (laughs) he was working on. Okay. Much bigger was that the crew runs into the mirror universe Kirk. Oh my God. It seemed this Kirk had been exiled and fell through a portal into the past. Mm -hmm. The Enterprise crew wouldn't know who Kirk was in any case and unaware they were dealing with an evil version of him or an evil anybody, right? Mm -hmm. This would lead to Mirror Kirk basically turning into Khan by taking over the ship and putting them through a huge ordeal. Shatner, now they were going to do this on Enterprise, right? Enterprise, yeah, yeah, wow. apparently. Shatner appeared quite open to the offer as he loved the idea of playing an elder and evil Kirk. Well, yeah. Sadly, they could never find time to fit it into his schedule. However, and you're going to have to tell me if you know what this is referring to because I've never seen it. It did inspire In a Mirror Darkly, which most fans agree is the best Enterprise episode. Have you ever seen it? I have never seen it, and uh, I don't know if I want to. I was
0: going to say, saying it's the best Enterprise episode. Hmm, yeah. I'm not sure what that's actually saying. Yeah,
1: okay. It's like being the best dog turd. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Still, seeing Shatner as Kirk one more time would have been better. I Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either, and I think I've said this before. When it comes to the Mirror Universe, they have gone to that well about three times too often.
0: As far as I'm
1: concerned. Mm
0: -hmm. I agree. I thought, you know, it was funny and clever when they did it in DS9 because they really put a humorous spin on it. You know, and they let the actors go insane and play totally over the top, which was really good. Mm -hmm. But they did it one too many times. And, yeah, you know, I guess it's such a tempting thing
1: right I like, know but it's it's see this is one of my worries about Discovery is they're really leaning very hard in the fanfic direction first of all yes. with the mirror universe being a, a primary plot point yes. of the whole thing and now they are um they have more or less confirmed that um Mayor Giorgio is one of the founders of section 31
0: yes they have they certainly
1: have so it's like
0: I know. Well, I'm I'm glad, I'm really glad that they didn't end up doing this interesting idea. I think it would have been bad in execution. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um,
0: I, I wanna mention one other thing in this list, which was um number ten on the list, which was the original idea was that Beverly Crusher should be a teacher. hmm And um so yeah, I kinda get it. But uh, it says, during an early writer's room lunch that David Gerald suggested making Crusher the ship's doctor. Instantly, the other writers saw the potential as it meant not having to create a new doctor character in addition to providing the show another strong female and pushing for some romantic tension with Picard. And all I could think about was it didn't occur to one other male writer on the show that the doctor could be a woman. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like it was in the script that they had to have a doctor and nobody until David Gerald stuck his hand up thought, oh, maybe the doctor could be a woman. Yeah. Of course not, because doctors are men. Yeah. yeah. And, and that as a woman, what could she do? Well, she's not going to be an engineer and she's not going to be in science and she's not going to be in security. Eh, she can be a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> the most stereotypical of women's roles. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Unless they were that going to have angry. a ship's homemaker role. <laughs> oh God! I'm sure it would have turned into that. She, it, it, that just made me ships angry. Ship's
1: embroiderer, you know Ugh. that your favorite favorite position.
0: <laughs> Actually, I did that joke uh, to myself because I talk to myself when I'm watching Star Trek. Of sometimes the the uh, um, the Paradise one that we were just talking about. I've already forgotten what the name of that episode. <laughs> Other
1: side of Paradise. <laughs> That's it when
0: kirk goes back on the ship and no one is there and he he's hitting the intercom and he's just seeing if there's anybody else on the ship and he's like engineering security and he says something else and or weapons and i started calling out other things i was (laughs) like ship's embroiderer costuming
1: (laughs) is that the episode where he goes to transport down and he has two samsonite suitcases oh my god it's
0: the one it's so bad it's so it's awful it's a terrible episode.
1: Like he's the, the only one who thought to pack a change of clothes. <laughs> right, <laughs> his little suitcase. It's so cute. oh, I hate those. I hate those so much. It's I hate those more. Well, at least as much as I hate the coffee and styrofoam cups.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, well, you know they got a lot of stuff right. They did. They did. Didn't get they did. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, listen, this is like, you guys don't know this, but this has been a marathon recording session for us for technology reasons. Oh, my God.
1: Technology has been against us. I think I need to to bring my computer into the Genius Bar and say, look at these two ports and tell me if either one of them is even near functional and what I can do about it. Um, But
0: my my voice at this point is just about to give out. Okay. Okay. um, let us let us wrap this episode up and say happy, happy Shatmas to each and every one of you out there. Yes. Thank you so much for listening and sticking with us and being being our friends. I was going to say fans, but no, you're, you're our, our friends. You're our friends.
1: You really are. You're our friends. friends. We're, you're in, in the circle here with us. We're all just chatting away.
0: We are. So uh, we love seeing you on Facebook and seeing your posts and comments and all sorts of things. So we will be back uh, after Christmas, I think. Because it's, it, it's coming up to it now, and I know we both have a million, million Oh, God, too. yes, yes. Maybe during,
1: yeah. you know, Christmas break, we might mm-hmm. be able to do another show.
0: So we would love for you guys all to post um, Christmassy, Star Trek-y things yeah. on the Facebook group. If you can, send us links if you see anything good. There's been some cool um, enterprise models in Christmas lights. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you can yes. Decorate, decorate your Christmas tree and make it a real Shatmas with a picture of Bill at the top. Um, I've seen on Facebook people posting photos of their ha- horrible Hallmark uh, ornaments. <laughs> um, I'll be getting mine out soon as well so that uh, I can have them for the season. So Okay yeah have a wonderful and hopefully calm Shatmas holiday season y'all yes and uh, we love you very much all each and every one of you and we will see you in 2019 I (gasps) I know into the future yes
1: yes so happy holidays happy Hanukkah Merry Christmas Happy New Year everybody stay happy
0: yeah stay happy and we'll see you we'll see you really soon okay
1: okay Bye. bye we mm-hmm.